Footy Prime the Podcast is brought to you by Tony Bet, official sponsor of the CPL and presenting sponsor of Canada's unofficial voice of footy. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language, and sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Craig, and Donna, Jimmy, and JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty, booty. It's time to get this party started tonight. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. You can't fundamentally tell the time. I, I, is that going to get any better anytime soon? At what, what are you now, 45? 40 <laughs> yeah, was 11, 12, 1, Five. <laughs> Can we get him the, the Mickey Mouse one with the hands that kind of with the glove on going round and round and round? I do a telling the time workshop. <laughs> well, the thing is, we we could, but he always says it's uh, you know quarter after quarter after Daffy Duck or whatever Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's pointing at the tail. What time is that? Yeah. I think the audience needs to hear this. The audience needs all this, right? So let's keep this into the show, okay? And we just start, <laughs> we're we'll just keep going, right? So the show's, we're live now, David. Uh, a welcome. Uh, today on interview, everyone, it's back to England and someone who enjoyed a, a really great long career starring alongside Jimmy and Nottingham Forest. We'll get some of those stories, I'm sure, pretty soon. Before Southampton and Leeds in the Premier League, he also had stints at Sheffield Wednesday, Swindon, and the club that Craig Forrest built, Colchester. Many of you will <laughs> yes. recognize his voice, it though. He, he basically does all color commentary for all Premier League games. That's what it sounds like to me. And you probably heard him also this weekend in Nations League action. It's David Prutton. David, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and giving uh, Jimmy some shit off the top. Well, you know, that I mean, yeah, that's the that's that was the basic remit for today, wasn't it? Just come on, talk at Jimmy and down to Jimmy, and then get on my merry way. But what what a wonderful <laughs> introduction! Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. How are we all? Great. Thanks for coming on. You're fitting really well here already, Jimmy. Anything to uh, to add to, to the initial conversation? No, it's just, no it's he needs funny. to take, he needs a minus, not add an hour. Listen, it's funny though. Every time you guys get one of my ex-teammates on, they abuse me, you laugh, and then you guys in turn go, what a great show that was. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't I didn't enjoy it. Jimmy I, I, had one, I had Greg Sutton last time tell me I walked around the dressing room naked all the time. Embarrassed the hell out of me. I'm, I'm not, I'm, there's no disagreement here from that. That's yes, that's that happened, yes. Yeah. So, so Jimmy was back in the forest days. All those years ago, Jimmy was a, a one prone to nudity then as well. Well, I, th- I think, and, I, and I'm sure Jimmy will agree with this because he has to. Um, the fact <laughs> that we were all we were a close knit bunch. We were all um, very chummy, uh, and, and it's, it's part and parcel of, of what that is about. That locker room type of vibe. At some stage, you may have to cloth off and go and get a shower. That's it. I mean, we were all blokes in the same place doing the same thing. I think we were all pretty happy with that. I mean, others took longer to re-robe than, than, than so I, I, I sat next to the legendary Des Walker. I mean, best defender at Italia 90, uh, one of the greatest ones England has ever produced. And I know this because he told me on a daily basis whilst drying himself off. <laughs> it, it was, and, and it's character building, I think you'd call it now. You just kind of get on with it and, yeah, make, make sure last, last man standing listening to Des, I think that was always a pretty good game, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> and when, when Desi got going, it was over. Because oh, he, he no loved to talk and no he would chance. talk your ear up. I remember even sometimes in games when he played, and he'd be like, Hey, look, when I used to play alongside Piercy and I had this player and that exactly. player, and I'm like, I'm not doesn't fucking help. Piercy. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't help one of it. It's funny because when I was I was thinking when just chatting, listening to you all, giving Jimmy some shit as well. We were that there's a big footballing cliche in England, uh, which is can he do it on a cold Tuesday night at Stoke? 
Um, and me and uh, Jimmy, or Jimmy and I, had a, a, a stand-up row on a cold Tuesday night at Stoke. Because something to do with either him not overlapping me, me not tracking. Wouldn't be me not tracking back because that's what I stuck. I mean, I was terrible at passing, but I was good at tracking back. I could do that. Um, <laughs> but we had a big, uh, like, to the point where the game had kind of stopped around us because the ball had gone out. So there's me giving Jimmy some, and Jimmy giving me some back. And to the point where that side of the crowd would just sat there going. <laughs> and then we got told off, right. uh, by the boss afterwards it, it wasn't wasn't cracking back do you know what it was Sorry. go on it was that 70 yard run that i made breathing out my ass and, and blanked you just you. blanked me <laughs> and then i chased you down i think i might have done that on purpose just just for a laugh <laughs> go on get back you're only a bit saying i mean saying that now it, it's it's a different world now isn't it what the the um, this is I always valued my teammates absolutely, especially ones that I liked, just like Jimmy. But th- that role of fullback now, I mean, I mean, Jimmy, you'd have been worth about seventy million quid nowadays, wouldn't you? A bit marauding forward and starting attacks and being the star man from fullback. Did you say seventy? Wouldn't that be nice? Quid? Instead, I'm doing this, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Different era, mate, isn't it? We were like ships in the night with all that type of stuff. Yeah, we had a good squad though. We had some some great guys on that team as well. Young, we had a young young team. Mm. You know, it was we had, we had a, a lot of laughs. That for sure. Worked hard. The thing, is, the, the thing is, as well, and, and I'm sure the lads will attest to this. When you've been in a situation like that, which seemed to me like the norm, didn't it? Like you had younger players, you had older players. We mixed together really well. Everyone got on. We socialised together. Um, worked really hard together. And it's only when you get to other places, um, Chen's mentioned on the way in, like of Swindon and, and Colchester and places like that. Uh, that I've got a certain fondness for, but there were a couple of sticky dressing rooms that I was in latterly where you kind of look around going, like, I'm struggling to find about four people in this room that I like. And you just kind of think that that's, it's just a natural way of, of it being. But it was a special thing. And it's and maybe it's, it's slightly like kind of rose tinted because you look back as a bit of an old sodden thing. It was lovely, but it, it genuinely was. And the city at the time, the time that football, of the, the time of the football that we were playing in, pre-camera phones, there was yeah. a little bit of social media going on. You, you only knew how bad you were in public when you read the local paper. And it, it was just lovely. And like I said, I, I sound like a bit of an old sod now talking like that, but it has, it's changed fundamentally in a lot of ways, I think, which um, is a different thing and a different dynamic for younger players to deal with. But my cynical take on it is, well, they get paid enough now, so they just got to get on with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Pratt, uh, let me ask you this. Hmm. You talk about the dressing room and the tightness of it. You have Nottingham Forest now that have thrown, what, 21 signings yes. at the wall. Wow. Um, great quality, of course. But how about the dressing room? I mean, mm. there's a bit, it's a bit of hit and miss, isn't it? And building for Cooper is, is, is an exceptionally difficult job at the Premier League level, yeah. isn't it? Oh, massive. It's massive. And, it's, um, and again, it's, whether figures that are reported are accurate, accurate with the disparity possibly in pay. I've touched base with the likes of Joe Worrell and Ryan Yates. Um, I've come across Brennan several times, and, and again, Brennan's dad, David, a team former teammate of mine, and Jimmy's. I, the, I remember uh, David Johnson signing when his wife was pregnant with Brennan. So then you're watching him now, thinking oh, this kid's on his way to the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, crazy. highly regarded and highly sought after. So again, another player that knows what it is to be a Nottingham Forest player. I think Steve is a very ambitious coach. I've got a lot of time for the way that he's, he's set that team up and dealt with the expectation. It's huge, wasn't it? Many a manager in the last 23 years has tried but failed to get them into the Premier League. He's done exactly that. But it's it's to flood it with new players is a very delicate balancing act because on the, on the plus side, in the Premier League, you need a depth of squad to carry uh, the games, the quality of the games, the fero- ferociousness of the games. But you also need to retain that nugget of what made it what it was, which was the team spirit, which was the essence of that. Um, and I think he's, you're absolutely right. He's, he's got such a tricky balancing act now because um, because Forest have to stay there. You, you can't be away from the Premier League for two decades, give it a little hello for a, for a season and then, then nip off back down yeah. to the Championship because they could quite easily get stuck there again. So it's imperative that consolidation is reached this season. Absolutely. Uh, you're on uh, mute there, Sharm. Oh, well done, James. Eh? What, a, what a pro, <laughs> oh, eh? What a pro, Jesus. <laughs> uh, do, do you think, though, he'll, he'll be given the runway this season? Um, obviously, you, you see Gaffers getting 
fired, you know, for far less. But mm. I mean, he did such a great job last year. Gelling this team, like Craig mentioned, must be so difficult. But you know how it is in, in this business. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, we've just seen Rob Edwards come out of Watford after 10 games today. That's crazy. That's crazy. He, 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 they were trying to give him, they said they were going to give him time to, 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 um, to create an identity for the team. Presumably, <laughs> 10 games is now is the barometer. It's not there. For 10 games. Sorry, Paul. See you later. 10 games. That. That's 11 managers, isn't it, in five it's, years for Watford? Yeah, I, th- I think there was another something. I think if you include like interim coaches, I think it's something like seventeen. Billich is the seventeenth in ten years, I think, which is which is mad. I mean, within that ten years, they're in the Premier League for five of it, and the ba- they're pretty good at bouncing in between the two. So the Potter family probably sat there going, "Well, and it's it's the way we do stuff." I mean, but the the the, the time frame as well that I read was Rob was officially announced that he was fired about five past one. This time over here. So for Jimmy, that's five past two. <laughs> Jimmy's world. Honestly, what's the matter? And then, and then by um, then by twenty past uh, one, two uh, of the same hour, it was um, Slavin Bilic and his staff appointed. So that goes to show how ruthless that is. And I, I, I think you're right, James. I, he does deserve the runway to be able to see if he can make sure that they stay in the Premier League. Um, but I think it's shown how tricky it is. You look at the Bournemouth game where a side that's had its own problems and Gary O'Neill's done a cracking job at the moment, um, but they managed to turn them over. So a, a team that looked like it was having a stuttering start to the Premier League season has been able to show Forrest how it's done. So it does deserve it. Whether deserving of the opportunity means you get to fulfil the opportunity, I genuinely don't know because of the money that's been put out there as Craig was saying, and the sheer volume of signings. Um, that in itself needs time to gel. And whether, because of the way this season's structured, you get that month, six weeks, if you if you haven't got loads of players that are off at the World Cup, where you can have a, a really serious training block, which is, we've, we've, never, we've never experienced it in our footballing careers, where there was a start to the season, then a massive stop, and then you go again, going into December and into, into the new year. So, he should have the time. I think he's got the chops definitely to be able to make a team that can stay in the Premier League, but we'll soon see whether he gets the opportunity. Proch, do you think as a as a manager, right? I mean, he, he was at four screen rovers, Edwards was, before, mm, before was, yeah. Watford. Um, and he was in a good position. Mm-hmm. Good, good little club. He was getting some success. Now, do you not think sometimes as a manager, you, you'd look at certain clubs that have so much turnover and think mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the right one for me. And obviously, ten games in, he's he's out the door now, looking for a yeah. job. Like what? What, think, what do you think it is? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there was a bit of consternation about the way he left Forest Green. Um, he quite is quite clearly ambitious. I th- I think Jimmy, what it what it is, it's the lure of what that Premier League sheen is. They've just dropped out of the Premier League. That have been the parameters from a financial point of view would have been wider. Um, Forest Green is is a really quirky story in English football, like the the vegan football club it's called with Dale Vince and what he's done building it, creating it out of absolutely nothing. Um, so the, it's it's quite niche if you like, and, and to be able to give him the chance to go and, to go and work at somewhere like Watford, I think he, it maybe if you take them out of what they are like right now, if you look at them, obviously Watford's got a lot more storied history. Than, than Forest Green by virtue of the fact it's just existed longer. That's just <laughs> just the way it yeah. is. Um, and maybe if we're talking about Forest Green in 50 years' time, it might be a different thing. But I think given the opportunity to go and work at a club like that, I think it's really hard to turn down because cynically, from my point of view, wages would have been better. I think he signed a two-year contract and the reports that you read, there's a, there's a six-month pay-up in that. So that's that'll be decent cash. But on the flip yeah. side of it is, if you don't go from Forest Green to Watford, where would his next job have been? If he's at Forest Green like they are now, and I watched them on Saturday because we covered them on Sky Sports, they they got heftily beaten by Exeter City. And I understand maybe if our our Canadian listeners are kind of scratching their heads thinking, these are teams, aren't they, talking about? It, it's not the storied kind of end of the Premier League. And I've played at, for, at football clubs such as this, so it's part of the pyramid uh, over here. Um, so his next job might not have been that big a jump. So I always think if he's done that jump, Where's his next port of call? Rotherham need a manager. Huddersfield need a manager. Um, teams within that division might think, do you know what? Maybe that's an anomaly on his CV rather than hopefully, in his point of view, a stain. Yeah. But I think as well, if you looked at, you know, maybe a Rotherham or a Huddersfield or 
you know, a, a solid championship side that can't afford to have so much turnover mm. with managers. You'd think that might be a better step first, wouldn't it? Well, it, but then it's timing, Jimmy, isn't it? it it's whether yeah. you go, w- whether you, you take that step. Uh, and it's one of those where in football, more often than not, I mean, you can look back and possibly there might be an air of regret or maybe not regret, regret's the right word, maybe not as hefty as regret. You, you make that, the decision you make in real time in that moment is probably the right decision. You can look at it with hindsight. You, I mean, the thing with Rob, when you look at who we had... Uh, likes of Ishmael Assar and Joao Pedro, very, very good players. Emmanuel Dennis, obviously, since moved on. He managed to keep those. They've been injured at different times. They've brought some decent players in. Um, and I, I just, it, it's strange because we've all talked about football and being in football long enough to know that isn't really surprising what's happened without sounding too pessimistic because I think he's a really good guy and a really good coach. But like you say, that that the way that that football club's run, Jimmy, you're absolutely right, Almost, almost, it's happened. You kind of looking around, going, "Well, what did you expect to happen?" That was yeah, I mean, unless right? you were ten points clear by now already. And they're probably the owners may be looking at the way that Burnley have gone on so far, Norwich have gone on so far, doing okay. Sheffield United have done fantastically well to be where they are right at the top. Yeah, um, maybe it's it's that um, that comparison which is is kind of been the final nail in the coffin for them. Yeah. Just a, a point outside the playoffs, six behind Norwich in in second. Yeah. Without without sounding too kind of what's the word, world weary when it comes to covering football, you can kind of go, it's brutal, but yeah, you can see why. Yeah. Do you know when and when you look at it as well, right? Like if I if I'm the manager there and I've got fired after ten games, mm. and as soon as I've walked out the door, the next manager's coming in, I'd be thinking to myself, I'd be going, Do you know, they they're probably about to pull the trigger seven games ago. Or yeah. maybe like three games ago. After my seventh game, they probably started getting on the floor and going, All right. Who's next? Well, that's, but then again, that's the, how many times do you see managers just taking in a game at, a, at another uh, club where the manager's on the phone? Oh, no, I just thought I can watch this game. What the fact yeah. that he's lost five on the bounce and he's, he's people <laughs> conference, nothing <laughs> to do with it. What? Or suddenly, oh, he's, he comes out that he's best mates with the owner or the chairman. I mean, Slavin Bilic is a good manager, a very good manager. And he's got team, we got West Brom, didn't he, out the, out the championship against yeah. the Premier League. So there's, he's got previous for being able to get teams up. Um, but that's. But by virtue, and do you know what? What wouldn't surprise me is they would have, and I've got no inside information about the way that that club's run. But I presume there's there's possibly always a bit of plate spinning with regards to well, you know, I mean, if we're not here by then, well, he's still out of a job and he's he's still free over there. Well, maybe we'll keep him on the back burner then. And then, oh, he's had a bit of an oh, sorry, stand down, stand down. Don't quite need you just yet. It, and I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's an overtly sinister or cynical thing to think because they've got to move quickly, haven't they? They've got to get, yeah. I mean, 25 minutes is very quick, but to get one <laughs> out the door and, and another one in pretty swiftly because and, and the players need somebody there to be able to tell them what to do. That's just the very nature of what footballers are. But uh, whether, whether and make no mistake, Slavin's job is to get them promoted. I mean, I don't know what how his job is quantified if he doesn't get them promoted because... Therein lies a comparison with what Rob's done so far. Rob Edwards was, was in charge. Ten games, they left him in this position. If it's not the end of the season, if they're not in the top two or at least in the playoff final, then that's that can't be deemed a successful appointment. But yeah, we, we talk about lack of loyalty for managers, but like you said there, there's no loyalty within the coaching fraternity either. If a village is prepared to take that job like that, and it happens all the time, collusion, talking behind the scenes. If you're a manager... I mean, you have, I'm sure you have good friends within the coaching fraternity, but you know damn well if you lose your job, then your, your mate next door might just step right in there, and that's just part of, part of the game. I, yeah, but I think I think we all buy into that, don't we? It's it's we it's it's a profession unlike any other, and not just footballers, but the the management side of it, because there's only a finite amount of jobs. Lots of people, like teammates that we've all played with, that have gone into coaching or management, and there's, and that's that's the kind of area that you get pushed, not pushed into, but it's encouraged, obviously, because it helps to feed back into what the nature of the of the profession is. But you get, I don't know, hundreds of players season on season um, retiring, going towards coaching, going towards management. And again, I mean, I've been intrigued to see what Jimmy's take on this is, having, having kind of worked higher up that food chain or that higher up that structure, because... There's a, there's, I was reading about, I think it's John Terry and a couple of others are looking at that, the, the kind of 
the um, football, the director of football type role, which again, there's only a finite amount of those. And um, yeah. so I, I, I think having, having had the pleasure of doing the job that I do now, being able to speak to managers that were either teammates or uh, managers of, of clubs that I've played against, they're all, they're all a certain breed. They're all a little bit in the nicest possible way, a bit tapped because <laughs> it's a job that demands 25 hours a day, eight days a week concentration on absolutely everything. You have to be absolutely dialed into it. You're at the, you're at the, your head's on the block more often than not. And they, they do understand that. There are some that you hear that are a little bit more, I mean, collusion is such a great word, James. It's a fantastic word because it, <laughs> there is that sense of people getting the ducks in a row before possibly it's time for them to be able to put that into practice. But again, maybe having been in the game since left school at 16 and, and, and maybe this is a broader debate should we accept it but we do because we just go oh it's football it's, it's Thomas Tuchel it's 250 million pounds to spend <laughs> oh terrible results though see you later mate like, it, it, in any other like investment job or anything like that I mean you'd go that's that's bonkers but because it's football you kind of oh, yeah I can kind of say he's lost the dressing room after winning the Champions League with them brilliant cheers lads see ya it's 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 madness. Is coaching anything that you wanted to do, or is this uh, what you're talking about? Uh, reason why you stayed away from it? Because it certainly was why I stayed away from professional did, coaching. Really? Did did you see that, Craig? And just think, nah, not for me. Well, I just figured. Well, as a Canadian going over there, is it you know somewhat? And Jimmy can attest this. I mean, you're you're kind of behind the eight ball. Being a Canadian is changing now, but uh, mm. that's the way it was. And to stay in the professional game, especially in Europe. Uh, and to be a Canadian, there hasn't been a Canadian coach I can remember anywhere in Europe. So I just thought, you know what? I think the TV side of things was well. We got Pesci. It's a, a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, Burton Albion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Right. It's only a, the average manager lasts less than two years, and then fifty percent of those don't get another opportunity. That's that's not good odds. No, it's hmm. it's not in not in a professional movement type way. It's funny, I, I bumped into Pesci in, this was must have been, was it pre-COVID? I can't remember. But it, we, my, we, I was down in London working with, and my, my wife and kids, we'd all gone down together as I was flitting backwards and forwards to covering games. And we went to walk, uh, walk through Knightsbridge, past Harrods, not in Harrods, past it, like quick, let's get past as quick as we can because it's way too expensive in there. <laughs> went, in, went, went in the coffee shop opposite and I, I was like, I'm sure that's Oh, pesky Salito. So it kind of like did that kind of thing where like, and he was like, Pesh. And it's like, we started chatting. And, and I thought, thank Christ he recognizes me. Otherwise, I'm just a nutter that started talking to him in, in a coffee shop. I thought he might and, blank um, you because he's big. Yeah, time well, yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard he's horrible like that, blanking people. Because <laughs> um, um, we were chatting away about stuff and, and then realized that his wife was sat um, next to him. So obviously, over this side of the pond, very heavily involved in the running of West Ham on TV, on The Apprentice. So I was like, oh, pressure. And this is your wife, Karen Brady. Like I said, why have we just said a full name? <laughs> Who's this idiot? And I was like, oh, nice to see you. How's things? You're right. And just, you know, when you're kind of making small talk with someone that lives around the corner in like some gorgeous Knightsbridge town, oh, they live around here. What, two up, two down, little, little studio flat around the corner. Possibly not. No, I think they'd actually just been shopping across the road as well. So, but no, she, they were both lovely and chatting away and chatting to the kids. And yeah, he, and then I've, I've not not seen him since. But you, you're right to say that that. I mean, two years in a job. I'm sure most managers coming into the game now would be like, "Brilliant, give me two years. That would be fantastic." You know what I mean? Now it's more kind of six, seven, eight months. And I think moving into it, so I finished at 32 because I just didn't really have anywhere else to go. I was fit. It, it kind of the law of diminishing returns just kind of came to fruition. So I needed something to do pretty sharpish and I'd done a couple of bits and bobs on the telly and managed to kind of plough that furrow and, it, and it's it's been wonderful fun so far. But from a coaching point of view, we were chatting about it at the weekend. So we did Ipswich against Plymouth. Uh, Stephen Schumacher's at Plymouth, a former uh, uh, footballer. Kieran McKenna was at Manchester United, started, uh, finished very young, I think early 20s. So... Now you've now we're in the realms of uh, Graham Potter, vocational coaches, yeah. coaches that weren't footballers. Jose Mourinho wasn't a great footballer by any stretch. Arsene Wenger wasn't a great footballer by any stretch of the imagination. But we're moving forward now into into an era where you see 
professional coaches. And the intriguing thing from from an ex-player point of view is, and you've got to try and move on from how you would feel as a player because you you know, lads, what it would be like. This this coach comes in, especially in our era. Uh, who's he played for? Don't know. Like never play, and instantly we'd be like, right, see you, bye. Like walking <laughs> off, thinking that not interested. But now they've got these professionally based coaches. You got one, like I said, with Graham, one of the biggest football clubs on the planet. So that side of it and what I've seen, um, it was purely a timing thing, probably Craig, to think that to stop finishing playing and think, well, you need to go through your B license, your A license, then on your pro license. And these things take time as any educational kind of qualification should do. It should, it should take time. It's yeah, it's, it's very, very expensive. And there's different things that are put into it. Now there's, there's, I think there's the, there's a UEFA management course, which helps former pros, as I said, get into that kind of director of football role. Um, so I, the other thing as well, without kind of chewing your ears off about this, um, how many coaches have we come across that would purely be there because the manager is is like not his mate, but like we coaches come running in, you think, what do you do? And it would be taking a warm up, but would have the full confidence of the manager. So regardless of what qualifications, where they've been, what experience, what they've won, oh, it's the it's the gaffer's number two, yeah. I mean, is that a job description? <laughs> but it, it's that seems to be the case. There's, there's so many that have had long career, and and that's and they're, they're from what I've seen, they're worth the weight in gold as well. So yeah. there's it, it's it's that much of a precarious situation that you kind of go, hmm, not sure about that. But yeah. I think when you look at it too, Prats, you know, when it, on the coaching side, you know, you when you're on the sidelines, you get that buzz that you had as a player. Right? Yeah. And you're, you're in the dress room, you get that camaraderie and, you know, the highs and the lows that, that you've always kind of played with your whole career. Mm-hmm. But if we're realistic as managers, you're hired to get fired and you hold on for as long as you can. And I, <laughs> and I, think, and I think what you're going to end up seeing is a lot more ex-players will try to get into that broadcasting way, try to mm-hmm. get into that sporting director or going to, into the academy yeah, as a you know the, the head coach or mm-hmm. or academy director, simply because of the fact there's longevity with that. Yeah, you yeah. can hold on a little bit more. You're still involved in the game, mm-hmm. right? You still get that passion, that kick on the weekend or even during the week, but you're still involved. But at least you're in a position where you're going to go, okay, I can hold on here for three, four, five, six years, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, but well, Jimmy, think- Jimmy, you saw you had that situation at Toronto SC where you were pretty comfortable with the youth setup. You're doing well. You liked it. And then you were drawn into the first team. And I remember having that conversation with you that you're now, whether you like it or not, and we talk about timing, how could you turn down the opportunity? But you were then put on the edge of the chopping block with, uh, who is it, Ryan at the time, right? Ryan Nelson, yeah. Ryan I, went through three ma- I went through three managers and I was like, if I survive this one, the next manager that comes in, he's going to be gone. Who's this snake, by the way? This guy survived three managers. I was in the academy coaching, right? Mm. And so I went upstairs for my first year when I finished, when I retired, because I wanted to see the business side of, of football. So I went upstairs. I worked as assistant GM. And then they asked me, what do you want to do? I said, well, look, I'm, I'm getting my coaching education going, my licensing. So I wouldn't mind getting involved in coaching. But I, what I want to do is I want to go down into the youth. So if I can get a U17 or U18 job, it'd be, it'd be great because that's where you can make your mistakes as a coach. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you, you, you learn your trade, right? Yeah. And I was... So that, so that, that as a means to get to a, a, a senior job. To get to a senior job, okay? So I, I took this young young group of lads and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, we had some, some good success. The team was playing well. I had them for maybe about a year and a half. Mm. The first team's not doing well. And it was Aaron Vinter. Remember Aaron yes. Vinter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, enter. So we, uh, they've lost about six in a row. And I remember sitting in the office. I remember I'm like, oh man, this guy's under, he's under the cost here. He's done. He's, he's out the door and I'm with a little bit of lunch. Mm. So we had a game that afternoon against New York Red Bull, right? The U 17s. Yeah. Boys had a great game. I think we won like 2 1. So I get a phone call as soon as the game was done. Whistle blew, phone's ringing and pick it up. What's up? It's a gaffer. Jimmy, how's everything? Yeah, great. Look, so-and-so played really well. He played well. You know, our, the top prospect that we have, he's a bit off today. And, and I'm giving him the spiel about the game and everything. He, little did I know, he didn't give a shit. So he goes, <laughs> well, look, that's very nice. But he goes, I'm moving Bob the clerk, and I'm going to put him into a different position. Yeah. And he goes, I want you to come be my, my assistant, my first assistant. Okay. Now, keep in mind, two and a half hours ago, I'm sitting at a, 
the dinner table saying, this guy's out the door. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going, what what do I do now? Because if I turn around and say, no, I don't want to do it, then he's looking going, well, I'm the gaffer of the club. Yeah, I've asked you. Yeah, Yeah. I could be out the door anyways. Or I end up going with him, he gets gets binned, and then I'm out the door. So I was like, I had a couple of chats quickly, and I was like, all right, look. Who who, who, did you, did you, when you say you had a couple of chats, did you touch base with anyone from a, a, an advice point of view to see what your next step should be? I actually, like I spoke to, I spoke to Thomas Rongen, who was the Academy director. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with Danny Dicchio as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, I had a quick chat. I was like, guys, I've got to do it. And they were like, look, you, you have to, the gaffer, gaffer's calling. Now these are, these are guys that understand European football as well. Yes. Right? You know how a football club works. If the gaffer says, I need you to come with him. You got to go. Yeah. Otherwise, if you say no, he's going, well, I don't trust you. You're out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the paranoid part about it, isn't it? It's like, well, why don't you want to come and work with us? Well, because if you get sacked, I'm going to get sacked as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you can't> say <laughs> so, so sure enough, I end up going with the first team. We we win a game. We won the Canadian Championship. It's international break. He gets the bin. Now, my team gets taken over by another coach in the U-17s. The manager gets fired. He's out the door. And yeah. I'm near enough standing in the corridors with my bags Looking going, round. where am I going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've only been here for three games. My God. Yeah. But luckily, unfortunately enough, uh, Paul Mariner ended up coming in as a, as a manager and said, yeah. look, I, mean, I know you, and, you know, if you want to stay, please stay. And I was like, okay, perfect. So it, it worked well. And then Ryan Nelson came in as well. But but it was, uh, yeah, it's a difficult time. It really is as a, as, a, as a manager because once one goes, you don't know what's happening, whether you're going out with the bathwater or you're, mm. you've got an opportunity. You, to you, you get a bit of that as well with, especially over here, and I think finance-wise, post-COVID, there'll be an impact with that because how often would you see a staff go and a new staff come in? I think it's becoming more prevalent that you get a coach going and the staff stay or some of the staff stay and they kind of carry on that progress because – you almost get kind of coaches that are part of the club rather than a specific coaching team, which I think is, I always find a bit of a strange one because again, it's that kind of having that cabal, that trust, that that kind of unit where you work in different clubs and you get results at different clubs. It's intriguing what you say about wanting to start with the youth side of it to wait your way up because that's exactly what Stephen Gerrard did, didn't he? He went taking the, or working in the academy at Liverpool. And I was speaking to Neil Critchley who since now works for Gerard's staff at Villa in between managing Blackpool, doing a terrific job at Blackpool, he did. And he, he kind of said, um, so So Stephen comes in and he was always very, Jurgen Klopp had talked to him a lot, but they, the, where the youth team trained was separate to where the, the main team trained. And I think it's since come together. But, and Neil's, Neil's quite a funny fella. And he said, I'd, I'd have Stephen Gerrard asking me about training sessions, <laughs> which he said, Ridiculous, but obviously, like maintain that professional front. Like, come away, guys. Stephen yeah. Gerrard's asking me about like <laughs> passing drills. Like one of the one of the greatest footballers we've ever had. Yeah. Um, but he, he he was very much in that. I need to learn how to coach um, players, how to get these points across, how to be able to deliver a session. Because again, we we've been there when when a manager just can't give you that, can't deliver that. And another one uh, with the Norwich connection with you, Jimmy Alex Neil, who took obviously Norwich back into yeah. the Premier League, and he's. Is now um, now at Stoke. He he was a he was a young manager, a very young manager. I think he was mid, maybe even early thirties, thirty three, thirty four. Where he became player manager, then he became manager up in Scotland. And he said that first that first uh, meeting where if you're a player, you want a twenty five sat there going like scratching your backside, looking around, and not really to oh, look at that over there. And you know what I mean. And so that's that's you've got loads of eyes looking at one pair of eyes. And when you switch that around, and you are that manager, yeah. Delivery of message, consistency of of um, of that delivery is absolutely paramount, and I I, I think that's as, as much as obviously you've got to be tactically sound, technically proficient in what you do. Being able to deliver that and hold a room that's got to be a massive part of what it is to be a coach. And I presume from your point of view, Jimmy, different from what it was to do the under seventeens to helping out a member of staff who was then the head coach. Yeah, no, it was. It was you know, I I did find it difficult as well when I first got it, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go. To the youth because I really need to I had to find out who I was as a coach and take everything that I've gained over the over the years all the knowledge and experience and think how do I put this into practice now yeah right and then then it's just me being honest with myself and I'm, I'm you know I would talk to I'm gonna make mistakes and how do I correct them because I know if I get in the first team 
I'm under a microscope. The players are analyzing yeah. me. They're going to push me. They're going to test oh, me. Because yeah. think, oh, how is this guy going to react to certain situations? And mm-hmm. you can't make those mistakes because you get one opportunity or two opportunities. And oh, then completely. That's it. Yeah. Go like that. yeah. So you get this guy out. He's a clown. Mm-hmm. Right. So but isn't it true, Jimmy, that when you take your pro license is a lot of the uh, instructors are, are teachers or former teachers and they're, you have to learn how yeah. to actually teach. Yeah. Well, well, that's, that's what it is. Craig is, you know, when you uh, when you do the pro license, you you have these educators that are there, and what they're doing is they're just trying to take what you have in here and get it on paper so that you can translate that onto the pitch and give clarity to the player so that they understand exactly what's what's going on. Right. Um, and they do a terrific job of. They're not there to say this is how you should play and this should be your formation, <laughs> and they don't do any of that. Right. They're just there to to help you be able to to process everything and then explain it to the players. So yeah, you know, I, I I enjoyed it. I had a lot of a lot of fun doing the pro license. It was great. You made some great contacts and everything. Where did you do yours, Jimmy? I did with the FAI in Ireland. The right. Okay. Yeah, yeah they gave them away there. I know. Yeah, so I, I was going to say that. I mean, that's I what, like Damien, a week's worth Damien, of work in it. Damien Duff and yeah, <laughs> Robbie Keane, and we we had some we had some good good guys on the on the course. Carlo Cudicini was there as well. Well, good deal. So, the, well, so Jimmy, he, J- Jimmy, if you ever get called up to a, a big time podcast. Are Sharms and I going to get a call because of the brain trust of Rogan and Dickio for your professional <laughs> advice and your brain trust? <laughs> Never heard Deech described that way before. I got a top podcast. I'm out, boys. I'll see you later. You got fired. Well, sayonara, lads. Yeah, I'm out here. Get to stepping. Stepping. Should we get that call yeah, in now? They get Joe Rogan knocking on his door. Be off, won't I? Say bye. Oh yeah. Preds, I've got to ask you something as well. Yes. I remember sitting watching watching a match years ago. I mm. think I texted you after as well. Years yes. ago, and I'm watching a match with my brother. And I'm like, Jesus, man, that sounds like Pretz. <laughs> my brother's like, that. there's no way that's Pretz. I was like, look, man, I, that, you know Pretz would love to talk. He could shut a glass eye to sleep. <laughs> that, that's got to be Pretz. There's no way. And sure enough, and David Putton is, a, you know, second half starts and the same here. Yeah, and I started laughing to myself and I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I could picture a better job for you. And you do such a great job commentating because, you know, you, you're well-spoken. You love to talk. You understand the game. And, and I was like, wow, amazing. I remember I texted you right after and I was like, you did. Wow, what, a, what a great job. I really enjoyed that match listening to, listening to you. No, so I, I, you now, how, how much do you enjoy it? How much do you it. enjoy commentating? They Love seem it. like you have a great passion for it. I do. And it, it's it's everything that we do kind of over here, whether it's uh, championship or League One, League Two, and, and with with the Premier League. And that's what kind of blows your mind a bit about when I moved, I had the chance to be able to do kind of co-commentary for it, for um, what you'd call the world feed and where it goes. It's in, I've got friends that live in America that can text you on a Saturday afternoon if you're doing something. I just sat in a bar watching. And obviously over here, you can't get that because of the blackout I mean, you can't get it anywhere in here unless it's on Sky or BT. Um, and it's it's just a joy. I mean, it, to the point, oh, excuse me for rubbing my nose, um, to the point where there's, I don't miss playing at all, at all. I love doing this. I love the intricacies of what it is. Um, you've got to get your head around it pretty quickly that you're there to... I think I think James, you used the word colour earlier on, and it is absolutely that. Because, and I mean, not every game is fantastic. There's some not so good games, and, and there's some wonderful games, and, and you've got to make sure that you approach each and every bit of that. I think as professionally as possible. But other than that, if if there isn't a passion for it, I don't. I, I think you can hear sometimes when you can hear people that don't seem to be pumped about what they're doing, it comes across. But I, I've. It seemed to dovetail, and I've been afforded some wonderful opportunities uh, off the back of, hopefully, uh, the, the standard that you set, but being in the right place at the right time. Being like, without, every every ex-footballer always uses, well, it's a bit like playing football and being a teammate and all this type of stuff as, as the kind of barometer of comparison. But being able to get involved in it and give it that cut and thrust and be able to, Yes, put it into context if you're talking about the top end of the Premier League and what's at stake, but hopefully maintaining that nugget of what it meant to all of us as kids, which was just the most mm-hmm. wonderful thing to do for an hour and a half. And to be able to do it in front of people as a profession was a, was a, was an absolute privilege. And to be able to talk about it now, especially in, in this day and age, and by virtue of us being on this podcast, it reflects that. 
the platforms now for people's opinion are it, they're so wide and varied and and you know, you, you can you can listen to and watch things on YouTube where you're just kind of going, wow, this is crazy what I'm listening to. Or you can listen to people that I think do it really kind of majestically. I think Peter Drury, an English commentator who's since started doing, will it be NBC? I think it's NBC. NBC. So it, NBC. He'll be getting, so, I mean, he's a very well-known name. John Champion, another man that I've worked with a lot, who will be um, somebody that, American and, and Canadian um, audiences will will know and, and, and recognize their voice. It's a privilege mm-hmm. to work with people like that. Martin Tyler, another one. He, um, he was a legend. I've, I've worked with him a couple, a couple of times, and he's he's, he's heavily involved in um, non-league football. Big big part of what Woking are about. And bless him, he'll tell you everything about Woking when you see him. To the point where you kind of go, "Can we like move this on a bit now, Martin?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he um, he said he did a game with him at the Emirates. And um, we'd met socially a couple of times before. And it's so the way they designed the Emirates, it's, it's a beautiful spaceship of a football stadium. But if you sit at a certain level, which is the gantry, the rain kind of comes through and just hits you right in the face. So Martin, we chatting away and said, oh, you'll, you'll have a wonderful time, David. You'll, um, we'll, have, we'll get a great rapport. Uh, and it's all right. I'm a natural pauser, so you'll know when to come in. Good, good. We might entirely do it properly. Martin then puts this Canada goose hood up, which I mean is probably four times the size of my head, so it's massive. So it's kind of like like the Emperor in Star Wars. He's got it up to about here, so it's a good half a foot in front of his face. Then obviously the microphone disappears inside. That I'm thinking, well, are you, well, Martin. I mean, it's great that you told me your natural pause. I'm just not going to be able to see when you're pausing because <laughs> I, you've just engulfed yourself in this like smart. So there's me like like. Check, check to the, looking around is is, is it, yep, yep. yes it's me it's me yes it was great you should have done this you should have done that and at the end and he kind of assumed that position for ninety minutes <laughs> and then he cracked on did his st- and at the end oh, well I really enjoyed that and I thought well that'll do me if you really enjoyed it that's great I'm obviously not trampled all over what he needed to say so and you you're probably bit, thinking that you had to go to the chiropractor after exactly yeah. <laughs> like, why are you walking around in a circle well actually that's <laughs> my thing hey, when, you, when you're working with different guys I mean in Canada I was working with one guy mostly a couple but a guy called Jerry Dobson so you get mm. to know one person and you know those gaps you know those pauses but when yeah. you're working with different people mm. everybody's a little bit different aren't they and some guys are very used to commentating by themselves yeah, without yes. other guys so yeah. you got all these different things but it does give you a little bit of a buzz doesn't it it's not like playing but I, mm. I did find that I enjoyed it just as much because it was preparation Yes. Um, I mean, I know when you're doing Ipswich Plymouth, uh, you, you have to prepare. I mean, that division is, you know, it's not as easy to follow as it is at the it's Premier not. League. Goalkeeper nearly scored for Ipswich. By it, oh, it was amazing. I mean, and, and you know, and you know, when you think you, you watch a lot of football and sometimes, because I, I, we do a lot of work down in London, so I'm up in North Yorkshire, so it's a bit of a trek. I mean, not, it's not a trek. Again, I've got a friend who lives in California whose daily commute is about six hours. And I'm like, I was in the car for four hours today. And he's like, that's my that's like a good day for me. And you kind of think, all right, distance is slightly different. We're only a small island and we like to moan a lot. Get over it. <laughs> um, but but then that, that, sen- that sense of, of of that prep, being able to to talk about it and, and, and just the natural things that happen. So, so the game, the Ipswich-Plymouth game yesterday, where you can watch football and it just becomes, in inverted commas, football. Like some games melt into it, into what into another. But it, it's it's one of the most glorious sights in football as a neutral. 2-1, last minute of the game. Here he comes. Um, and, and, and and I said this with the greatest respect, Craig. I mean, you're all ungainly looking lads, aren't you? Goal <laughs> running up like he's like he's never running his like, arms off. Like giraffes. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Like a native, like, look at that. Skipping around thinking, where, where am I? <laughs> with these big gloves. Like a llama. Exactly. So he comes running up and you, everyone's just going, well, I mean, he's... he's He's massive. So there's like three three Plymouth players. Like one's got a leg each, another one's got his arm. Ball comes in, and it, I mean, he kind of takes one step back, little leap, very Peter Crouch esque, just loops it towards the top corner, and um, the Plymouth got scrabbling across and gets a, it's near his fingertip to it. It's the bar and then the follow up, and you you are you you just get totally lost in that moment of of just shrieking like idiots, really, because you know, this is this is. This is amazing. It's 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 part of the excitement of what that is, and you, yeah. you talk about it. The different levels over here, and we're, we're very proud, of course, of the pyramid and 
having covered a fair bit of MLS and the different the the different dynamics to that, obviously with the regular season and then support Shield and then going into the postseason and mm. and getting towards um, MLS Cup, which I I've just found just such a joy to be able to cover. Um, the dynamics of what the pyramid is over here. So Plymouth against Ipswich, top two in League One, which is in old money, of course, the third division. Fifteen and a half thousand people watched that in the ground, and you you sat there that it was noisy, it was passionate, it was couple of tackles in there Jimmy that I would have been very very proud I'm like it's definitely a red car because I'm a proper turncoat now that's disgusting you shouldn't be doing that he's left a bit on him for about 15 years like that's probably how many times he used to get sent off he used to be screaming at him because you could just see him chasing people around a pitch like that someone's gonna get it it averaged out in the end one red card a season for the for the whole of my career I think it's 14 or 15 red cards that I got which is You can double that today. Yellows as well. Ridiculous. And yellows was about a hundred, I think. I mean, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this with any form of pride. I just, just flabbergasted. I think, wow. (laughs) Surely someone went. That's crazy. Can you stop doing that? Well, probably what you were trying to say, Jimmy. Can you stop doing that? It's killing us. (laughs) It was different because we we had Jack Lester as well, who was a bit of a lunatic. Yes. Yes. What, what, What match was it when we were playing and you went absolutely through someone? And we're all coming over, spigging out. And I'm looking at you going, Pruts, have you yeah. lost your mind? You've definitely. And, the, and, and it was then, always and then that. 10 minutes later, Leicester Jack. does the same thing. Sheffield United at home. It was right, it was yeah. raining. And I, I, I remember, I think, so then Paul Hart, the man, our manager at the time, came stomping in and I was ready with my excuse. I was like, it was him or me, Gaffer. It was him or me. It was do or die. Like So like my, my justification was I had to do him before he did me. <laughs> Just shaking his head. And because I remember being sat in the um, dressing room and you, on your own, it's quite a lonely place when you've been sent on. <laughs> and then, then I hear this like singular rattle of studs coming up the up the tunnel. I'm thinking it's not our time, yeah, is it? And then Jack comes in. Ah, oh, <laughs> it's like oh, you've killed me. Now we're both oh, we're both in trouble now. And I'd, yeah, we'd have got um, suitably reprimanded for that. But it was I, I always put it down to poor timing and passion. Somewhere in the middle of there is the reason why I was such a dirty player. <laughs> it's, it's much like the podcast, actually, poor timing and passion happens all the time to all of us here. <laughs> so um, have you ever got much abuse uh, from, from teams or players from, from your commentary? Anything you've said or agreed um, upon or disagreed upon on, on the field? Really? I, I mean, I've, I've, I've got a tentative toe into Instagram, but Twitter's something that I've kind of stayed away. From. And that's now that's now where you would get or you would feel field that type of uh, feedback. But there's been nothing. There's been there's been nothing that I can really think of. There's, there there was we were at the playoff final in in May, so when Forest beat Huddersfield, um, and I I'd, I'd done. Part of what I'd do in the build-up to games on a weekend was try and predict results with my main mind for a laugh. Uh, and he put it out on a podcast or, or like a like a digital platform. And it, I mean, and obviously, if you ever say that a team's going to lose, it's like it's like you've hit one of your mates' kids, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> you know, like and, and, yeah. you, and you'd get um, you get a fierce reaction because everyone's I, I totally get it. Everyone's very very um, proud and, and, and passionate about their club so and there was there was a weird and it was only a very small minority there was a, there was a weird kind of block up forest that seemed to think that i had it in for them and you're kind of thinking i mean you, you want to tell them in in the nicest possible sense it's it's way it's way less sinister than you think i genuinely have no vested interest what you do at the weekend i'm just asked the question so whether you win lose or draw won't make one iota of difference to what um happens in my life over that weekend but I understand how passionate you lot are about it. I, that's how they get it. So there'd be, um, you get the odd bit and a couple of times at the back end of being at Forest last season. Now, we we did a game there with, there was me, Michael Brown, because it was against Sheffield United and Michael Dawson. And they're all loving, Michael, oh, Michael Dawson is one of our own. I turn around a bit and just little lads going, ah, to me, sticking fingers. Like, <laughs> I was there at the same time. Like, obviously, Dawson was a wonderful player, went on to go and play for England and Spurs. And then there was um, we we did the playoff final at Wembley pitch side, which is a wonderful place to work. Uh, and then they've gone up, and there was Stuart Pearce was with us, and uh, these twenty three years of hurts been banished by getting um, by getting uh, promoted. 
and it's kind of dying down a little bit as fans are milling out and going out onto Wembley Way to crack on with the celebrations. And the, the, the fella timed it to absolute perfection. So I don't know how he knew that we'd come back on air after the adverts, but I'd like put microphones in my mouth and I hear his run, you dickhead. <laughs> and it's good because I don't think down the barrel they can hear that, but I can absolutely hear him. So I'm like, yeah, welcome back. This is blah, 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 blah. No. Some fo- some and the, like the the wave and that you're giving it all this type of stuff and um but that that's part and parcel of it. I, there's there's nothing that I can think because I mean part of it is you've you've hopefully got to do it in a in a relatively charitable way and I've never you, you don't go after anyone do you when you're talking about them because because no. by virtue of knowing what that feels like the, the irony of me sat there if if anyone's got one iota about what my football career was like or me as the new me as a player that's now a commentator. The irony of me caning someone for getting sent off would not be lost on any commentator that I would work with. And there's been many a time when, because as Craig talks about that dynamic that you get between uh, a colleague and a, and, and a colleague that becomes a mate of yours, they love, like, the, you know I mean, oh, rash challenge. What do you think about that rash challenge, David Prutton, like that? And you're kind of going, well, you've obviously asked me because I know exactly how you make a rash challenge and what you're doing. So you, you, you've <laughs> got to be able to have that bit of a laugh at yourself. But from the point of view, James, of, of, of people being, uh, they might have done. I've, I've not, I've yet to see anyone yet. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a remotely physical imposing type of fella, so I don't think they've seen me in the flesh and gone right. Oh, I was going to give him some, but look at him, he looks a bit handy because I'm not. Give me, <laughs> give me will attest to that as well. I'm hey, running away I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, anything I'm, but the face, anything but the face. Don't <laughs> touch the face. I'll tell you one time I wanted to kill you as well. You probably remember this one. On. Norwich, Norwich against Southampton. Okay, we're on a set play. Yeah, you're you're marking me now. At the beginning, me and me and Pratt are very good friends, right? Yeah, always get on and had a laugh. And so you're so, on opposite teams now. Now we're on opposite teams. Okay, so I'm going up, going up for a corner, and guess who's marking me? <laughs> I think I must have I must have volunteered for that. He's he's the softest lad on their team. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you went out, you, you went out of your way to get me. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, I push him off. And I start running towards the ball. Ball's come in, gets whipped in perfect. I head this ball. And next thing, I'm on my ass. Blood coming down my face, right? Yeah, do you remember that? I look at him and I went, what I the did. fuck was that, Crutch? What'd you do that for? Look at me. What? Blood what? everywhere. He's like, what? Sorry, mate. Didn't mean it. So <laughs> as I push him off, he's come running and he's punched me like this. <laughs> as I've had as the ball, split my eye open, give me three sippers down the side. <laughs> you will remember me forever, Bosh. Oh, right every time I look at that, right. I'm like, if I ever see that prick My again. <laughs> I mean, and, and again, I mean, VAR would have been, I'd have been, you would have been gone. That would have been your yeah. sixth red card. It, it'd have been, it'd have been horrendous. But I, I think, and that's, I mean, again, hopefully, the, the main vibe of this is me not being totally psychotic. But in my kind of, because <laughs> I, I just probably had Jack Lester in my head thinking how funny he would find that the fact that. I'd, I'd lost Jimmy on a corner. My only way of getting around it was to like Superman fly towards him with, with a fist in the air to try and, to try and take him down. I mean, my God. I mean, there, there was, do, do you remember um, Darren Powell as well? It was at Southampton. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was, there was a game where we played where I was playing in front of him and there was another one as well. Anthony Amy, he was in goal at Southampton at the time. And I always had the utmost respect for goal, uh, Craig, but there was this one where I'd kind of, suggested he should have come for a corner. <laughs> and there's a picture from Villa Park of his gloved hand on my neck with my head like that backwards, <laughs> which I think was him disagreeing about whether he should have come <laughs> for that particular ball. But there, there was the one with Pauli where a goal's gone in, he's turned round and, and he was he was a hothead when he, Pauli, my God, he, yeah. he could, like when his eyes went, he, yeah. you were, and I kind of went, like you know that that shrug emojis if to say mm, any chance and he he was like and he just he, he lost it came running after me it's like probably they've scored we need to kick off again he's like you ever look at me like that ever again and i'm sure he was and jimmy will attest to this and i'm sure he jogged off and i thought it was like dead funny it was like just do your job mate and he went what there's nothing nothing <laughs> get that last word in just to really poke him to make sure that he knew what was going on but it was um i always enjoyed that side of it you know what not winding people up but that that sense of within a very, very serious game that everyone finds very, very serious at times. Ridiculous yeah. moments of humour that just kind of made you laugh and kind of kept you ticking along. And and yeah. it was almost kind of a bit of a secret. As much as, obviously, it's a participation spectacle, 
because the game is absolutely nothing without people watching it, as we saw during the course of COVID, my God. Yeah. But that sense of what's going on on the pitch can be have its own little narrative, whether it's um, somebody talking in disparaging terms about family members or other yeah. halves or which or I mean punching your friends in the face punching your friends in the face punching ex-colleagues <laughs> in the face not friends ex-colleagues in the face <laughs> in, in fairness though I mean I think we've all felt like punching Jimmy in the face at some point right yeah, so we so I'm, I'm the only one to have done it so there you go <laughs> hey before we let you go David um, was how weird was that calling games during COVID at the empty stadiums I mean that is a challenge I imagine to get the energy that's ex- exactly and this is quite funny exactly that not for COVID, Christ, that was not funny at all. But um, that sense of what it was—it was odd because first, because we—I'd do bits and bobs like this, and you kind of kept ticking over, didn't you, with regards to um, broadcasting, if you like, for want of a better word. And what would the players be thinking? And I got to the point where I was saying, I have absolutely no clue. Like I've got no—I might have played in reserve games or behind closed. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. You've got to go and get changed over there. You've got to go and get changed over there. There's zones that you can't go into. Um, we don't want you shouting as much because projecting stuff into the air is is unhealthy. And it was just it, it it was just so odd. There was no energy to the games. There was no atmosphere to the games. There was no and plenty of games I saw that got to 65, 70 minutes, and it was almost like a subconscious. Oh God, there's 20 minutes left. You felt the players even kind of going, Christ, I'm like. Can we just shake hands now and call it what it is, and you mean win, lose, or draw? And it was really, really tough. But there was within that though, I thought there was a great camaraderie to get games done and on, and and hopefully bring something to to people at home to be able to kind of give them a bit of light relief, really. Because and again, when people talk about football not mattering in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? It's, it's it is a global sport that we all love. But it does have the power to be able to pet people's lives up, to be able to give colour where perhaps there is some form of darkness, which I think it, it absolutely did that. But I remember a game at Chelsea, uh, sorry, at Fulham. So that, that the, the brand new wonderful stand at Fulham was still getting built, the one that backs onto the 10th. And they were playing Chelsea. So, so our commentary position was literally 10 foot above the touchline. And that's so when you get your headphones on, as you know, and you've got your little lip mic and you're talking all this type of stuff. And, and then I took my earphones off and I think I'd suggested about somebody needing to tell Timo Werner about the offside role or something like that because it was like, okay, he's offside again. Yeah, but... And then I took my earphones off and, t- and I was like, it's really quiet in here. <laughs> to the point where I think at one stage, you, you, a Chelsea player was like looking up at the country. <laughs> He's listening to the commentary. Who's that? <laughs> and I'm sorry, you'd have done what on the last one-on-one? <laughs> no, he's got he's got to go around the goalkeeper there. He's, he's got to got to commit the goalie before he makes his mind up. And you do take it off thinking, Christ, if they're listening to this, thinking, cheers, mate. Th- thanks for the input. And when was the last time you played for Chelsea? <laughs> well, never. But and it, it, it was all it was all kind of part of that. Um, it, it was just a really odd time, really odd time. And it, the, the other thing, and did you? I suppose over there as well when you had the um, the kind of fake crowd noise, which um, was just bizarre because it was all very nice crowd noise, wasn't it? The first game back that we did when the goalkeeper shanked it with in front of um, the crowd, your shit, ah, oh, there we go, the back, they're absolutely back. This is perfect <laughs> yeah. because no, no no set of fans was comprehensively nice throughout the whole of a game and just went ooh, <laughs> ah ooh nearly yeah it was it was it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And, and now and now the bizarre thing is you watch it now and it, it'll be something that we tell generations about to come not just obviously from a footballing point of view but from the point of view of you look at it now and it's back to what it was the blood and the thunder and, and the noise and the smells and the sights and the sounds and it, and I don't think we needed a, a reminder of, of, of how good it was but it's it's brilliant to have it back as it is isn't it Mm. Yeah, it is absolutely. Which game are you on this weekend? I'm at Hull City on um, on um, Friday night, and then we're at Stoke Stoke Jimmy on uh, on Sunday on Sunday afternoon, and then I'm, I'm I'm trying to think Premier League wise what's coming up. I think there's a Bournemouth game very soon, which I'm intrigued to see. See how Gary O'Neill's getting along. You, um, you live you live in Hull now, do you? No, no, I, I no. I mean, I'm from there. I'm very proud of being from there, but I don't think it was ever going to be a choice to to, to get back to. I'm, I'm in just Harrogate, so it's kind of north of Leeds, so very North Yorkshire. Which uh, again was another weird thing in COVID. We did everything from the studio, which is in West London in Brentford. So you, right. you and you, it was all it was always there and back. So you'd spend 
eight hours in the car driving backwards and forwards. And then the little bit in the middle where you kind of sat and talked to a, a camera with someone five yards away and someone another five yards away. What do you think about the game? Okay, can you speak up a little bit? And and then it, then it was just odd. And then you get the games done and come back and then you kind of be thinking, oh, that was bizarre. But yeah, so I'm, I'm up here, Craig. I mean, miles away from obviously East Anglia and uh, your, your your two's neck of the woods. But it's um, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's great. And, and coming across, being able to chat with you, Jimmy, and, and, and you boys on here and seeing how well Jack Lester's doing at, at Sheffield United. Andy Hughes, another mutual friend of ours, who's the loan manager at Norwich. Um, it's just it's just great to be able to keep ticking along and, and keep you keep you kind of your, your head in the game because it is such a it's afforded us all a wonderful outlook mm-hmm. on life I would hope yeah that's true isn't it you keep in try you keep contact with the uh, people it gives you a reason it doesn't mm. really cut cut the umbilical cord from the game like a lot of players you know and I find that I know a lot of players struggle with that a lot of former players are struggling with that as well Huge right now. now but but I tell you what the good thing is Craig I think and it, and you'll you'll get some dinosaurs thinking talking about the game's gone and it's a bit too soft and I, I can almost see bits and bobs of that but anything that allows people to be able to talk up about the situations that they find themselves in because you come out of, of and it might be slightly different obviously from you boys coming over from a different country um but the good thing is with um canadians you you, you you're more british than you are american aren't you? so you kind of fit in really well when you come when you come over it but the um it was always because we came you, you you come out of school at 16 in england and went straight into a structure which was ambitious. It was cutthroat. It's competitive. I keep in touch with Paul Hart a lot, Jimmy. So, and he he always talks about that time fondly because we had a really good group of young lads that, mm-hmm. as much as it was dog eat dog, we all had each other's backs, and we got that in the first team. I, I felt when when things kind of moved around, and to come out of that the other side where you are kind of in this in this bubble, in this, and you are quite literally institutionalised because it's what you've always ever known as a professional person and you do that growing up 16 to 20 get through your adolescence suddenly you're a young man and then you've got to take responsibility for your own career and then off the back of that if you manage to get to 30 post 30 you give yourself a pat on the back and then you think oh christ i'm still a young man here i've got (laughs) i've got decades left in the working world a what can i bring b uh, who do I have to look after uh, and see how do you knit the two together? And if you're fortunate as, fortunate as we are to be able to do this, to talk about football, you never moan, you never, you know what I mean? You, you know, no games beneath you to do, no no kind of, no kind of um, port of call, whether it's Colchester and it's chucking it down on a Tuesday, whether it's, I don't know, up at Barrow or Carlisle or wherever it is you get to go to be able to be paid to watch football there's, there's people that the odd one or two that I've come across that make it sound a bit like a chore and they don't last very long from what I've seen. Yeah, great point. Well, you do a great job. Really enjoy your commentary, David. And, and thanks so much for this. Great chat. We'll have you back on for sure. A lot of fun. I, I appreciate it, chaps. Hopefully I've not spoken too much because that's that is that's another con of being able to kind of waffle on. Sometimes you sat there, as Jimmy says, talking a glass eye to sleep, but he's kept, he's, he's stayed awake and Craig's stayed awake. So it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, fellas. I, I, told, I told you he loves the chat. I only said, do you want to come on for 10, 15 minutes? <laughs> we would like to make up with the fact that he was three, again, we can talk about this now, that three o'clock actually means four o'clock. In you, you talk about footballers not being in touch with reality. You know what I mean? It's what happens when you've been as good looking as you are for as long as Jimmy has you just you just operate on a different level they meander about the world those you live in you can do what you yeah. want everyone will bow down to you and, and David <laughs> David it'd be it'd be great if you could share on your Twitter uh, some footy prime you and all of your huge following on Twitter of and course following 462 people and he's only that. following one other he's only following one person i don't know who you're following <laughs> who is god that? knows god knows there's another one which is on instagram there was a couple of i say fake accounts and and you, you get a bit irate don't you but you then you realize that it's 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 just part of the matrix these are bots these are algorithms right i'm going to get whoever it is like someone's taking the time to do, make a fake one of that you think but the, the great thing is i keep getting friends saying so this Bitcoin that you keep trying to sell me, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm obviously not getting in touch with you to sell Bitcoin. <laughs> like, 
NFTs is where it's at, not Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not me giving you a shout for Bitcoin, you melon. <laughs> no, thanks so much, mate. This has been great. We, we, we will get you Pleasure. on and we'll keep abusing uh, Jimmy, I, I promise you, as well. I, I guarantee yeah, you that perfect. much. Perfect. Yeah, he's uh, do, do, I mean, does, does anyone know of, of anyone that's got their own name tattooed on the back? <laughs> just jimmy then Get got that one there's low, there's low back there is it yeah the old trap stamp jimmy's trap stamp you should, all you should have him. a fucking clock on his back exactly well you can catch uh david i'm sure coming very soon on fubo tv you can get all your premier league games fubo tv.com slash footy prime sign up now and get a great discount for the next three months uh this has been footy prime the interview we're back on wednesday we'll dissect what happened in the nation league games and look ahead to another premier league weekend thanks guys cheers for listening and keep buying newspapers Join the conversation on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG.